0: This is KMTT, and this is Ezra Bek. Today's year is the weekly mitzvah by Rav Tabori. Today is Wednesday, Chaf Hei, Tevet. And a funny thing happened to me today, and I can't find my flash drive, on which I had already recorded the Yavachay It's now 12 o'clock at night, I just remembered where I misplaced it. So there won't be a Harachah today. When I get the flash discs back, I will postpone that Harachah to the following day, till Thursday. And I apologize for no Harachah okay. Therefore, without any more further ado, I turn the microphone over to Haras Tavoli, the weekly mitzvah for Parshat Va'era. The Torah in Parshat Va'era tells the Arba al-Shanot of Gullah. The four terms of redemption that were told to Moshe by HaKodesh The Torah says that votsapi etchem mitachat siplot mitraiim vega'arti etchem me'avod pe'artiyotchem me'avodat an vega'arti etchem bezurah netuya uvishpatim gedolim. Vella kachti etchem le'a. The four words of Gura are, I will take you out of Mitzrayim. I will save you from your oppression, from your slavery. I will redeem you with a strong hand, with great wonders. And I will take you to me to, me, to be my nation. And I will be your God. This idea of Arba L'Shanot of Gula finds expression in Halacha that we drink Arba Kosot un- Pesach, a mitzvah de rabbanon, but the asmachta, the source for the takana, for the din der rabbanon of making, of drinking, abakasot, is because, according to one opinion, kineger abal shematzal gula, because of these four different terms. However, there is indeed a fifth term. The pasuk continues, vidatem ki ani hashem lo kechem mitachat mitachatziblot mitzayim. You should know that I'm a Kaddish Baruch who takes you out of the suffering of Mitzrayim. I will bring you into Israel, which I swore to Abraham Yitzchak Yaakov. I will give it to you as a morasha. The Ve'Veiti seems to be the fifth lashon of Gula. In fact... This is the source that many Rishonim quote to explain that there should be a fifth kos one Pesach, or at least an optional fifth kos. In the Orch of shaim, the laws of the night of Pesach, he says Haravid Katav, quoted Alba Halalu Alba The Ravid quoted that the four lashonot of guulah are the source of the reason for drinking abakasot? The Rabbi Tarfon Hayam Mevi Kos Hamishi Keneged Veiveti. Rabbi Tarfon used to bring a Kos Hamishi, a Kos, for because of Veiveti. The Arava Daasa Gotev Laariv Sop Sachim Gotev VeHamishi Semchu BaGada Keneged Veiveti. Any Rabbi Kasher who wrote a major work on the concept of a fist quotes a number of vishonim that say Ve'eveti is a Lashon of Gula, and therefore we should drink Arba kasot. And the fifth kalf can now get The problem with understanding Veveti as a fifth Lashon of Gula is self-evident. The other promises that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made and I'd like to point out that they are promises were fulfilled. I will take you out of the suffering. Yes, I took us out, he redeemed us, we saw great miracles, he took us to him as a nation at Harsinai when we received the Torah. All this came true. Did the really come true? Did HaKadosh Baruch Hu fulfilled the promise that he made, that he will bring us into Israel, assuming that the word us means the people to whom this statement was addressed, namely Yadzei Mitzrayim. The people who were in Egypt at that time, who left Egypt, were promised, tseiti, vitzalti, digalti, and they all came true, but VeVechi doesn't seem to have come true. The people who left Mitzrayim died in the Midbar. The question is asked, Specifically, by the Aruchim, Unchomish, he asks as follows: Kaseh ki divrei kel ayon dibrota halu. Hakadosh Baruch Hu's words are holy, or pure. Yatzei mitzrayim him anechtesim la- la'aretz. The simple meaning of the words are that the people who left in Saim come into Eretz Yisrael. Dichtive v'tiachem la'aretz. V'lo matzim shikhen hayah. We don't find it happen it's true that their children entered Eretz Israel everybody 20 years and above left Mitzrayim if you were above 20 years old but you died in the desert so how did HaKadosh Baruch promise and not fulfill his promise the R' even emphasizes what I mentioned before that this is a shvuah. Hakadosh Baruch Hu promised, not just that He said; it's a lashon of shvuah. Lachaim. The the medrash says this is a shvuah. If it's a shvuah, how could it be that Hakadosh Baruch Hu did not keep a shvuah? The R' himself answers that this shvuah, the promise of the Hidvati, is not like the original four promises. The four promises of voseiti, vigaalti, are unconditional promises that Hashem, who said, "I will take you out, I will redeem you, I will take you as a nation," but in between the fourth lashon of gula, and the fifth lashon that we're talking about, veiveti ethem, there's a sentence in between. The Torah says, valachhti etchem ilam veiti lachem I will take you as my nation, I, you'll be, I will be your God. And you should know, know apparently, not just in a cognitive sense, but recognize, obey, that I am who takes you out of Messiah. So the Rachaim says, Veveti is a condition, if fulfilled, if the V'lakakhti etchem am. Is fulfilled. If B'nai Yisrael accepts the yoke of heaven, all ma'chut shamayim, do all the mitzvahs and be totally in accord with God's will, then ve is a promise. However, since B'nai Yisrael did not fulfill the earth part of the bargain, this avstacha is not obligatory. HaKadosh never promised to do it unconditionally. He said, I will do it if such and such happens. Such and such didn't happen. HaKadosh didn't promise. Interestingly enough, without asking the question as clearly as the Arachayim, other Mefarshim and Chamesh do ask the question. The Ibn Ezra, for example, says that in effect, the did come true. The Torah says, Says Ibn Ezra, "Ki I think there are two different sentences here. The first part of Ibn Ezra means, Many people who left Mitzrayim actually did come into Eretz Yisrael. Those who were below the age of twenty did come into Eretz So there were many people. With whom this promise was fulfilled. Then Ibn Ezra says another idea, which is an interesting idea: their children who somehow take over for their fathers. Children especially the idea of tachat avotecha yu Children enter into their shoes, as it were, of their fathers. So the promise was kept. Albeit not to the fathers, but to the children. So, according to Ben Ezra, there was a promise by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we do not have to learn that it was a conditional stipulation. It was an absolute promise. But he learned that the promise did come true. Farno has a different take. He says, <speaking in> He says, <country> He says that Ve'veti is not even Haftacha. There's no Haftacha at all here. He, the ve'veti is a statement. He says, once you understand everything, then it would be appropriate for you to enter Echazel. Ve'veti is a natural result of the fact that you know Hashem, then you'll come into enter itchisil. But it's not a promise of Akadish Baruch So we have seen three different interpretations. The Seemingly fifth lashon of geula, for which some rishonim actually have a fifth cause, is not so clear. It's not clearly understood by the Nefarshim that it really is a promise. Svaro says it's not a promise at all. Ibn Ezra says it is a promise and it was fulfilled. Whereas Zarahayim says it's a promise, but a promise based on a condition, and the condition was never fulfilled. Except for the Ibn Ezra we would say Ve'veti did not come true. It's true the children came into Eretz Yisrael, but the parents never did, and whether we learn like uh, Ibn Ed, like uh, Svarna or like the Arachayim, this Kiyom, the Kiyom of Ve'veti that was never realized, B'nai Yisrael actually did not come into Eretz Yisrael. I'd like to explain that in a halachic concept, Not in a physical concept. B'nai Yisrael, who left Mitzrayim, did not actually enter Eretz Yisrael. But in a certain sense, they really got a share in Eretz Yisrael, and the yod Mitzrayim themselves did, in a sense, come to Eretz Yisrael. The Gemara explains in Baba Basra that when the land was divided upon entering Eretz Yisrael, so it could have been divided by the males who entered Eretz Yisrael at that time, each one got a share. However, the Gemara has an opinion, apparently that's the way we understand, that the land was given in accordance with the people who left Mitzrayim. They each received a share in Eretz Yisrael, which actually belonged to them. Later on, their children and their grandchildren who entered Eretz Israel did receive a share. The share that they received was an inheritance from their father, from their grandfather, who was Mi Mitzrayim. The practical difference would be if it would Eretz Israel would be divided by the people that come into Eretz Israel, then each person would get one share. If it's divided by Yerusha of the people that Yotzei Mitzrayim, so then let's say. Uh, Heifer. Let's say for the sake of discussion, that person then, Hefer would have had seven children. So Hefer only would get one share in Eretz Israel. When they come into Eretz Israel, his children would each take part of their father's nachla, but none of them would get their own nachla, none of them would get a whole share by himself. The Gemara seems to pass in the land was divided among those people who left. In that sense, we can really say, "Veveti" in a certain sense was fulfilled. I'd like to explain that the idea that the land was given to the people who left Mitzrayim is even more significant when we analyze the story of the daughters of Slavka. Slavka, as we know, died without sons. And his daughters complained and said they should get a share in Eretz Yisrael. After, after asking Moshe, Moshe consulted HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Moshe explained that HaKadosh said, and he gave the entire list of Nachalot, the entire order of Yerusha. Who gets the first, who gets second, what happens? But Benot Slavchad were told that when there's no father, then daughters do inherit. When there's no uh, male sons, so daughters inherit. The Gemara says not only do Benoit Slavchad inherit, but they get Pishnaiv. If the daughters of Slavchad were the children of their grandfather, who was a Bukhar, as a Bukhar he would get a double portion. So let's say there were three brothers, so each brother would get would have would have received a third, except for the fact that the Bukhar gets two, a, a double share. So you actually divide them to four, and each one would get one quarter, whereas the Bukhar would get two quarters. The daughters of Slavchad not only received the Nachla on Eretz but because the Nachla of their grandfather, who was Meyotzei Mitzrayim, who was a Bukhar, they themselves get Pishnai. Now the Gemara explains in Baba Basra, in the eighth parak, that one of the criteria of a Bukhar getting Pishnaim means that the father, the, the Bukhar, actually has the share that we're talking about. If a man passes away and has an estate, what he owns, what's in his possession, what are in his assets at the present time, are divided among the children, and the, the Bukhar would get Pishnaim. But the Torah has a statement, Bechol asher lo. Whatever is found with him. And we learn from here, Halacha, that a Bukhar takes Pishnaim. Something that the father owns, that he has dominion over, the son takes Pishnaim, the Bukhar takes Pishnaim. But if it's roi, something that should come to him in the future. In the meantime, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have control over it. But he should get it in the future. That is not considered in the assets of the father. It's not nikah matsuli. It's not called matsuli. And the bichur wouldn't get pishnayim. Now, the daughters of slavchad did get Pishnaim in Eretz Yisrael, which implies. It's more than implies. It says almost explicitly that Eretz Yisrael Muchveketi, Eretz Yisrael was actually held by Yotzeh Mitzrayim. It was not a promise that they would come, that would come in the future. For example, if a Bukhar has a million dollars, but someone else owes him a debt of five million dollars, the Bukhar would get a, a, a special section, a double portion of the million dollars. But the five million dollars, not it's not it's ra'oi I don't know where that money is now it doesn't belong in the possession of the father at the moment of his patira at the moment of his death so Bukhar doesn't get pishnayim Eretz Yisrael means the father actually has the share of Eretz Yisrael in his dominion at the time of his Patira. so in a sense they although they didn't come in they didn't walk in physically in the land but the people who left the sign, Yahzee Mitzrayim, really had a chilek in Eretz Israel. It's true that at that very moment when Bnei Yisrael owned Eretz Israel, the non Jews lived in Eretz Israel. And presumably, they assumed that they had dominion and they owned Eretz Israel. The Nemukah Yahzee there in B'nai explains karka in an ikzelet. Karka, by definition, cannot be stolen. You can't move karka. You can't. Put Karka into your possession. You can't move an immovable object to put into your possession. Therefore, the Kenyan that was owned by B'nai Yisrael did not was not dissipated by the fact that the kanaanim the people who lived in Eretz Yisrael, inhabited at the time. The land belonged to them at that time. Eretz Yisrael Mukzeketi. The Dvar explains this even better. Ibn Taymiyyah discusses the concept of kibush al the concept of conquering in war. And he says: "Kallan she'ftiya hashamat al-ard labutaynu, wa rayu wadai shatbu bi khur ashri matay karinan baw, wa law bikarui. Shayn ra'u i'ati wa matli he says an amazing Kiddush. The Dvar Avram, Rebbe Avram Dol Shapira, said that the reason a Bechor does not take Pishnayim in Ra'oi is because Ra'oi by definition means I don't know if the Father will ever get it. He has rights to it. He should get it. But I don't know if it will ever happen. Even if someone owes you money. Maybe he'll never pay you back. Who knows what could happen? So, Raui is not in the dominion of anybody. Even theoretically it's not in your dominion because you don't know if you're going to get it. But when HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises and it's an unconditional promise means I'm giving you the share in Eretz Yisrael an unconditional promise from HaKadosh Baruch Hu is definitely guaranteed. According to the Dvar Ram, that's not called Rawi. That's called Muxuk. He has dominion over it at the present time. If we follow this logic, we would entertain a question that was asked by Rabbi Chanav Asma. Rabbi asked, according to this Gemara, the Kenyan of Eretz Israel was accomplished by Yotze Mitzrayim. But really, the Kenyan was even before that. The Gemara says that there are different forms of Kinyan Chazaka. Acquiring land, Chazaka of land, can be done by working the land, by using the land and showing that you have ownership, dominion over the land. The Gemara says that Hiluch, walking the land itself, could be a Kinyan Chazaka. Avram Avinu, in Pashat Lechucha, was promised Eretz Yisrael. He was promised that he would be Adon Ha'aretz, and Torah then says he goes to build a Mizbeach. He thanks HaKadosh Baruch Hu for this promise, for being assured that Eretz belongs to him, and therefore he built a Mizbeach. He built an altar to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Later on in the same parasha, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Abraham, Go walk the land, because I give it to you. uh, And it says immediately afterwards that Abraham built another Mizbech. Why the two promises and the two Mizbechot? Rav Kook explained that the first promise is that I will give you Eretz Yisrael. It's a promise in the future. And that promise so gratified Abraham that he's thankful to God. The second time it's not just a promise, not even just a promise like veyveti. it's more than that. Kul mit means go, walk in Eretz Yisrael, make a Kenyan in Eretz Yisrael, and Avram goes, walks in Eretz Yisrael, makes the Kenyan, and therefore since he actually owns, not just that it's considered Mukhluk, it actually is, at the time of hit ha So he builds another mizbeach. he thanks HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because beyond the promise, now I really own Eretz Yisrael. So, asked in Baba Basra. so what do you mean the Kenyan started in Mitzrayim? The Kenyan actually started before. The Kenyan started in the days of Abraham. I'd like to suggest a simple terrence to that question. There are two concepts of the Kenyan of Eretz Israel there's the Kenyan Kloli and the Kenyan Prati. There's a general type of Kenyan, and then there's a specific type of Kenyan. Abraham Avinu was one individual who represented the entire Jewish nation. At that time, both a promise to Abraham and the actual kinyan of Abraham is the kinyan HaKloli of Klal Yisrael. That's the general kinyan that everybody in everybody every Jew has a share in Eretz Yisrael. There's a very famous opinion of the Gaonim that everybody has a not just a metaphysical, but almost a physical Kenyan of Iba Mosneir Yisrael. Every Jew has a has a right to Israel. Where are the rights? What are the rights? I don't know. But there is a certain concept that everybody has Iba Mosneir The Kenyan Aklali of Yisrael came about to Avram Avino. But that doesn't mean that I had individual property. I have a share in Yisrael because I'm part of the Jewish nation who owns all of Yisrael. But I don't have any specific given share. So the kinyan prati came about through yotzei Mitzrayim. When our baruch says etchem so he assigns shares of Yisrael to each individual. Each individual now has a share. Yotzei mitsrayim This kinyan prati came about at our time when our baruch promises etchem and it's not just laoui. It's not just. Laui it's also muhzak There was a rasha shiva in America named Rav Kagan, the rasha shiva of Shiva Saben Yaakov Yosef, who asked a question regarding this halacha. The Rambam in Paragimol of Hilchot Snachlos says, Eina abuchar no tel pishnaim benechasim aruim lavo lacham mitat aviv, ella benechasim a muchzakim aviv shebaul lirshuto." Shenem habuchol hashem matzelo. This halacha basically is what I said before: a buchar only gets bishnaim in what is muchzak in, in what is in the hands of the father, but not bedvarim haruuyim, bnechasim haruuyim, not in things that should come to them in the future. But the Ramam gives another example. The Ramam says v'cheinim ha'itale aviv milveh, or ha'itale sfinah b'yam yorshim otah buchor v'pasut ke'achad. The first part I already mentioned. I'd like to discuss the second part. The Ravim gives an example. If the father was owed money, someone owes him money. So in that case, since the money is not in the possession of the father at the moment of his death, the Bukhar and the Pashur, all children, get an equal share. But the Ravim gave another example. In Ha'ytal HaSfinah a person has a boat in the ocean. Now, a boat in the ocean really does belong to you. It's not maybe. It belongs to you. It's not anything, you know, in the world can fall apart and collapse. But right now, what's in the Yam belongs to you. It's definitely yours. Why won't the Bukhar get pishnay? The Ravad on the spot says, The Ravad says the source must be a Mishnah in Erechem. What Mishnah is he referring to? The commentaries in the Rambam try to explain the esoteric comment of the Ravid. And as a matter of fact, they discuss whether the Ravid approves of the Rambam statement and just shows the source or he disagrees. But the statement there is found in the concept of Tzedakah. When a person says, el if a person donates his value to the Beis HaMikdash... So there's a certain amount that a person has to give and that's really one of the main topics of Masechet Arachim, the Masechet that discusses the values of people when they take a sort of a nether that they're going to give their Erech. When we determine the Erech of a person, if we would determine the assets of a person, so the Mishnah there says if a person owns a boat, but he is not near the boat, he lives in in Eretz Israel and he has boats in the Atlantic someplace. So, right now, he has no access to his money. And we know from Hilch of Stokka that a person does have access to money is not considered a rich person. An example of Stokka would be if a person, let's say, he got stranded in Europe. And although he might have a lot of money, both in Irish Israel and America, wherever he lives, but in Europe, he's indigent. He just, uh, someone who pickpockets him, he has no money. al He should take Saka. He's allowed to take Saka because he's a poor man. The fact that he's wealthy in this under the conditions in which he's in, he is not wealthy. Today with credit cards, I don't know, maybe you could work out something. But according to the Din, being rich and poor depends upon the situation in which you're in. So the Mishnah thinks if a person has a boat, with all the contents of the boat, it could be millions of dollars, but he doesn't have access to it, so he, at this time, is considered an undi. The Raivet says, perhaps this is the source of the Rambam that a person who has a boat does not take nine. A boat is considered not rowy, not Mokshaq, it's considered rowy, Apparently, rowy doesn't mean just rowy that he could get it. It means matzli. Bechol Ashayi matzelo means matzli. What does matzli mean? Found in his hands, found in his possession. He has real uh, uh, access to it at the present time. So Rav Kagan asks, why is this Rambam any better than Eretz HaShemuchzeket? Eretz HaShemuchzeket, we could discuss the metaphysical concept. I think it's a beautiful idea that L'Yotzei Mitzrayim N'chok Ha'aretz, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's promise is eternal, they own Eretz Yisrael, everybody who's there owns a share in Eretz Israel. But nevertheless, they don't have access to it, they can't get to it, do they have closer access to the, to it than they would have a boat on the ocean? So why is this considered, a boat would be considered rowy, but Eretz Yisrael would be muchzeket. the The way to approach this answer might be to discuss the difference between Metathlin and Karka. it could be there is what we call real estate Ni delonaiti, things that don 't move, and Metathlin, which can be moved You could argue and say that a boat could be moved from place to place, and therefore the person's accessibility to his boat could be limited by someone taking it to a different place, whereas there to sail, it will stay where it is and there to sail, and all we have to do is go there and conquer the land. Perhaps this is a, an approach to a teretz. What is interesting, though, is that the Shulchan Aruch, the tour, do not quote this halach of the Rambam. Apparently, they disagree with the premise, and they think that a boat is considered Muksak, which would be more in keeping with our concept. Muhzak doesn't mean necessarily that you, it's under your, your hand at the present time, but it means that it does belong to you, it definitely belongs to you, and eventually you get access to it so if that would be true that the Shulchan Aruch disagree with the Rambam so we could understand better the case of Eretz Yisrael Muchzeket. the promise of Eretz Yisrael Muchzeket was given to, to Bnei Yisrael by ba Kaddish Baruch Hu when he said everybody points out that Eretz Yisrael was promised to us as a morasha. In general, when we talk about inheriting, we use the word yerusha. A person inherits; he gets a yerusha. And the word morasha is a little different than yerusha. There are two types of morasha in the Torah. This Eretz Yisrael is a morasha, and the other is, of course, Torah. Torah tivah Moshe morasha. What's the difference in Hebrew between a Yerusha and a Morashah? A Yerusha is Binyan kav. It's something that works simply and automatically. What makes a person a Yeresh the fact that someone died and left him inheritance? He does absolutely nothing to get the Yerusha. But that's what the Din of Yerusha is. Morasha is a Hifil. It means that it's causative something has to happen beyond someone dying that you have to accomplish in order to receive this Yerusha which is really a Morashah or a Morashah which is really a Yerusha. Eretz Yisrael belongs to the Jewish people. HaKadosh Baruch promised Eretz Yisrael to Am Yisrael from the days of B'Riyas Olam, as Rashi points out in the beginning to Chumash. Again Eretz Israel was promised to Abraham Avinu, and he made a Kenyan Eretz Yisrael. B'nai Yisrael and Mitzrayim were given Eretz Yisrael as a Kenyan Ishi, Kenyan Prati to every single one of them. Liotsei Mitzrayim nitcha kaaretz, and they are considered muchvakim baaretz. But Eretz Yisrael will never be realized by Am Yisrael by sitting and doing nothing. V'natatiotal lechem morasha. We have to do something, we have to be involved in order to attain the Yerusha Yisrael, and the same is obviously true of Torah. On one hand, Torah is innate to the Jewish personality. Torah is built in to the very essence of a Jew. That famous Gemara in Masech Nida that tells us that a Malach taught every child Torah before they were born And as we all know, on the day the child is born, the Malach touches him and he forgets all the Torah he knew. What's the point of that, Kimara? What is the idea behind it that a person studied with a Malach before he was born? I think the idea is that Torah is innate to the Jewish personality. When I learn Torah, it's not foreign from me. It's something that's inside me. I just have to know how to bring it out, and to express it. Is Torah a Yerusha? In a sense it is. It's something that I got, not only from my parents, I got it from the Malach, who taught me Torah. It is built in, but it, even though it's built in, it's not going to mean anything, unless I myself, do the proper actions. The dvarim the famous Mishnah, Pekar which mentions many qualities that a person has to have. A person has to develop tra- traits that a person must build in himself in order to acquire Torah. Are make Torah a Morasha Yerusha. Eretz Yisrael and Torah are connected so often. Both of them are Morasha and Yerusha. And one hand, we have a Chazakah from way before but we must continue and build ourselves, build our Yisrael in order to make this Morashah into a Yugusha, which is a Morashah. You have been listening to our Rav Yamin Tavoy the weekly mitzvah and that's all for today there is no Rav Chayomit tomorrow she will be in Pashat Shavua with Rav David Silverberg. and until then Koltuv from Gush Etzion. this is KMTT Kim Etzion Torah ודבר השם ירושלים